0: Okay, cool. Let's open our Bibles, please, to the book of Genesis, chapter 37. Genesis, chapter 37. We're going to look at a section of Scripture that we've uh, visited before. Genesis, chapter 37. Okay. Let's go ahead and pray and ask our Lord to bless the reading of His Word now. Father, in the name of Jesus, as we come before You here this morning, Lord, we pray that You would bless the reading of your word, Lord, with this time that we have available to us. Anoint it, give it life, Lord. I thank you for everyone that's here, Lord. Thank you that you are helping us to just uh, do the best that we can to deal with the changes and the adjustments that we have to make for our church services, Lord. And we pray right now, God, that you would help me as your servant to communicate your word uh, uh, with, Lord God, with your anointing and with your authority and with your power, and that you would have your way in this place here today. In Jesus' name, we also pray for those that are watching online, that you will minister to to them personally, right there in their homes, Lord God, and uh, that you will touch their hearts In Jesus' name we pray, and all God's people said, Amen. Very good. Let's go ahead and read this story. Many of you are familiar with it. Uh, It's an awesome, awesome story in the Bible. And it starts in verse 1 here, chapter 37. Let's read. It says, Now Jacob dwelt in the land where his father was a stranger in the land of Canaan. This is the genealogy of Jacob. Joseph, being 17 years old, was feeding the flock with his brothers. And the lad was with the sons of Bilhah and the sons of Zilpah, his father's wives. And Joseph brought a bad report of them to his father. Now Israel loved Joseph more than all his children, because he was the son of his old age. Also he made him a tunic of many colors. But when his brothers saw that their father loved him more than all his brothers, they hated him and could not speak peaceably to him. Now Joseph dreamed a dream. And he told it to his brothers, and they hated him even more. So he said to them, Please hear this dream which I have dreamed. There we were, binding sheaves in the field. Then, behold, my sheaf arose and also stood upright. And indeed, your sheaves stood all around and bowed down to my sheaf. And his brothers said to him, Shall you indeed reign over us? Or shall you indeed have dominion over us? So they hated him even more for his dreams and for his words. Then he dreamed still another dream and told it, to his brothers and said, Look, I have dreamed another dream, and this time the sun, the moon, and the eleven stars bowed down to me. So he told it to his father and his brothers, and his father rebuked him and said to him, What is this dream that you have dreamed? Shall your mother and I and your brothers indeed come to bow down to the earth before you? And his brothers envied him, but his father kept the matter in mind. Then his brothers went to feed their father's flock in Shechem and Israel said to Joseph are not your brothers feeding the flock in Shechem come i will send you to them so he said to him here i am then he said to him please go and see if it is well with your brothers and well with the flocks and bring back word to me so he sent him out of the valley of, she- of Hebron and he went to Shechem now a certain man found him, and there he was, wandering in the field. And the man asked him, saying, What are you seeking? So he said, I am seeking my brothers. Please tell me where they are feeding their flocks. And the man said, They have departed from here, for I have, for I heard them say, Let us go to Dothan. So Joseph went after his brothers and found them in Dothan. Now when they saw him afar off, even before he came near them, they conspired against him to kill him. Then they said to one another, Look, this dreamer is coming. Come, therefore, let us now kill him and cast him into some pit, and we shall say, Some wild beast has devoured him. We shall see what will become of his dreams. But Reuben heard it, and he delivered him out of their hands and said, Let us not kill him. And Reuben said to them, Shed no blood, but cast him into the pit, into this pit, which is in the wilderness, and do not lay a hand on him, that he might deliver him out of their hands and bring him back to his father. So it came to pass when Joseph had had come to his brothers that they stripped Joseph of his tunic, the tunic of many colors that was on him. Then they took him and cast him into a pit, and the pit was empty. There was no water in it. And they sat down to eat a meal. Then they lifted their eyes and looked, and there was a company of Ishmaelites coming from Gilead with their camels, bearing spices, balm, and myrrh on their way to carry them down to Egypt. So Judah said to his brothers, What profit is there if we kill our brother and conceal his blood? Come and let us sell him to the Ishmaelites, and let not our hand be upon him, for he is our brother and our flesh. And his brothers listened. Then Midianite traders passed by, so the brothers pulled Joseph up and lifted him up, lifted him up out of the pit and sold him to the Ishmaelites for twenty shekels of silver and they took Joseph to Egypt. Then Reuben returned to the pit and indeed Joseph was not in the pit and he tore his clothes. And he returned to his brothers and said, the lad is no more and I, where shall I go? So they took Joseph's tunic, killed the kid of the goats and dipped the tunic in the blood. Then they sent the tunic of many colors and they brought it to their father and said, We have found this. Do you know whether it is your son's tunic or not? And he recognized it and said, It is my son's tunic. A wild beast has devoured him. Without doubt Joseph is torn to pieces. Then Jacob tore his clothes, put sackcloth on his waist, and mourned for his son many days. And all his sons and all his daughters arose to comfort him. But he refused to be comforted, and he said, For I shall go down into the grave to my son in mourning. Thus his father wept for him. Now the Midianites had sold him in Egypt to Potiphar, an officer of Pharaoh and captain of the guard." All right. So many of you have heard this story before, and I myself have actually preached on it before, but I wanted to revisit it today for a number of reasons. But first of all, in this section of scripture, um, a few weeks ago, we looked at the life of a young man by the name of David. This particular section of scripture talks about a young man named Joseph. Okay. But a few weeks ago, we looked at the life of a young man named David. And remember, we learned that David had seven brothers. David was the great grandson of Ruth and Boaz. And we learned about Ruth on Mother's Day. On Mother's Day, we learned that Ruth was very special because she was not Jewish and yet she chose to reject the false gods of her religion, which was a Moabite, and she chose to serve the true and living God, the God of Israel, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Those of you that are here say, Jacob. Okay, so she chose to serve the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and I want to emphasize Jacob, because we're mentioning him here, and we're also talking about Joseph jacob's son here all right so going back to david we learned a few weeks ago that david was the runt of the family david was overlooked by his dad jesse he was made to feel insignificant he was made to feel unimportant he was made to feel invisible he was made to feel not qualified when samuel the prophet we learned a few weeks ago when samuel the prophet came to jesse's house and honored jesse and invited jesse and all his sons to the special sacrificial dinner david's dad jesse did not uh did not call uh, David, out of the field to participate in this very, very special, once-in-a-lifetime honorable dinner, and we learned that even though our own mother and father may lose touch with us, or may lose heart with us, or let us down, God will never let us down. Can you say amen, church? God will never let us down, because that's what David was facing. His mom had rejected him. His dad had rejected him. He was all alone out there. All he had was God. Okay, And we learn that even though all these things were happening in David's life, he still followed the Lord. And we learn that if you dedicate your life and you follow Jesus, regardless of your circumstances, regardless of your personal issues, regardless of what's going on in your home, if you do what's right and you feel isolated, and you feel alone, and no, you feel that no one sees you, no one cares about you, and that you will never get noticed or paid paid attention to, you follow the Lord, and God will listen to you, God sees you, God hears you, God knows what you're all about, He knows what's happening, and He knows that you're seeking after Him, and He's going to bless you for that, okay? So we learn that about david that we have to put our trust in god and we need to rely on god we have to remember that god sees our heart he sees uh everything that's going on in our lives and he has the ability to take us from a low place to a very high place and only god can do that so From very early in his life, David relied on God, his father, to teach him, to defend him, to resource him, to provide for him, to protect him, to be with him, and never leave him, and never forsake him. These are the lessons that David learned about God. Listen to what David wrote in Psalm 71, verses 1 through 6. He says this, In you, Lord, I have taken refuge. Let me never be put to shame. In your righteousness, rescue me and deliver me. Turn your ear to me and save me. Be my rock of refuge, to which I can always go. Give the command to save me, for you are my rock and my fortress. Deliver me, my God, from the hand of the wicked, from the grasp of those who are evil and cruel. For you have been my hope, sovereign Lord, my confidence since my youth. From birth, I have relied on you. You brought me forth from my mother's womb. I will ever praise you." in verse 17, it says this, since my youth, God, you have taught me. And to this day, I declare your marvelous deeds. So all David had in his life was God. He was his best friend. He was his companion. He was his, his resource. He was the abandoned son. He was a forgotten son. But today in this story of Joseph, we have the complete opposite of what we learned when we looked at David. David and his relationship with his dad was all messed up. But in this situation, in the story of Joseph, we learned that Joseph was the favorite son of his dad. He was the favored son of his dad, Jacob. Now, Joseph was one of 12 boys that were born to this man named Jacob that we've been mentioning, okay? So Jacob had 12 sons. And I want to show you uh, this map here or this list of the 12 sons of of Jacob, Here's a list of all the 12 sons of Jacob from their the order of their birth. Their firstborn was Reuben. The secondborn was Simeon. The thirdborn was, I don't know if you say it, Levi or Levi. The fourth son was Judah. His fifth was Dan. His sixth was Naphtali. His seventh was Gad. His eighth was Asher. His ninth son was Issachar. His tenth was Zebulun. His eleventh was Joseph whom we're talking about right now, and the 12th was Benjamin. I don't know how many brothers and sisters you had, but man, I had two brothers, and those with those two brothers, we were always getting in all kinds of issues and problems and struggles. There were 12 boys here, trying to live in the same house, trying to get along. I'm sure it was a battle trying to deal with all of that, okay? Now, so we have their birth order. Then, from these 12 boys... The nation of Israel was born, or became a nation. And so now I want to show you a map of the 12 tribes of Israel when they became the nation of Israel. And on this map, you see the 12 sons of of Jacob. Now, I'm going to say their name, and I'm going to see if you could locate them on the map. Let's see if we can see that. I don't know if you guys can see that far from where you're at. Okay, So the first son was Reuben. Can anybody find Reuben on the map? Do you guys see where Reuben is at? Okay. Not this Reuben here in the front. All right. But the Reuben over here. All right. It's to the right of the Dead Sea there. That burgundy spot. That is Reuben. Okay. Then we have Simeon. If you look on your map, let's see if we can find Simeon. Anybody find Simeon? Bottom. Okay. Bottom. Very good. Then we have the third son, Levi. All right. Let's look for Levi. And what you're going to discover as you look and you look and you look, there's no Levi there. Levi is not on the map. Now, there's a reason why he's not on the map. And the reason is that Levi is a tribe that was chosen by God to be the priests of the temple. So Levi did not get an inheritance. They were allotted certain areas of Israel to be priests in Israel. It wasn't supposed to be like that but that's how it ended up being, and we're not going to get into that because we don't have enough time. The next one is Judah. Okay, so try to find Judah on the map there, opposite of Reuben by the Dead Sea. Okay, then we have Dan, and then we have Naphtali, and then we have Gad, then we have Asher, then we have Issachar, then we have Zebulun, and then we have Joseph. Now again, if you try to find... Joseph on that map, you're not going to find him. And the reason why you're not going to find him is because Joseph had two sons, Manasseh and Ephraim. So you're going to see their names on there. Manasseh is that light blue spot there. And Ephraim is the light purple spot underneath Manasseh. Okay, Those are the two sons of Joseph. They took Joseph's place. And then finally we have Benjamin, the small tribe of, of benjamin right in the middle there okay so you have really large tribes and you have really small tribes like benjamin just like today we have really large churches and then we have medium sized churches and then we have small churches so nothing has changed in the kingdom of god can you say amen church it's all the same kind of system all right so jacob had 12 sons and they each uh, represented part of the nation of israel they became the nation of israel but right now they're just 12 boys growing up trying to make it through life okay one of them the 11th born was joseph and jacob also had one daughter and her name was dinah unfortunately her name is not up there okay but that was his daughter so now let's begin to break this section of scripture down so that we can begin to learn some important lessons from this section of Scripture. Every detail or every piece of information in the Bible is important, and it's included in the Bible for a reason. So right now, let's look at verse number 1. Okay, In Genesis chapter 37, verse 1, the Bible says this, Jacob lived in the land where his father had stayed, the land of Canaan. I like the way it says it in the New King James Version. It says this, Genesis 37 verse 1, in the New King James Version, it says, Now Jacob dwelt in the land where his father was a stranger, in the land of Canaan. Now, right off the top, we're given some really important information here. The Bible tells us that Jacob and his family lived in the land of Canaan. And I want to show you a map of what it looked like before Israel became a nation. Let's see if we can get that map up there. Okay, very good. So that whole green section right here that you see in that map, that is the land of Canaan. Okay? That's where you have the Amalekites, the Amorites, the Kenites, the Hittites, the Perizzites, the Hivites. In church, we just call, we group them all together, and we call them all the termites. Okay? So those are all the termites right there in the land of Canaan all right they're very destructive people all right so that's what the bible tells us that Jacob was dwelling in the land of Canaan it's not Israel yet Israel eventually will take it over but right now he's dwelling in the land of Canaan uh, Canaan, with all the termites there all right so Secondly, the Bible tells us that they were strangers in the land of Canaan. We learned that Jacob and his family are foreigners. They are immigrants. They're like nomads in what is at this time is a foreign country for them because the nation of Israel does not exist yet in this time of history. Anyone here, uh, anyone that's, that's here this morning that is a first generation immigrant can probably relate to how Jacob and his family felt living in the land that was not their own, living in the land where they were considered foreigners or immigrants or strangers. And when you're looked at at, or treated as an immigrant or as a stranger or a a foreigner or less than human, this puts a lot of pressure on you. You feel very insecure. You feel very unsafe. You feel all these emotions that are not very healthy. And that's, if you're here legally, okay, it gets even worse if you're an illegal immigrant or an illegal alien. Every time I hear the word illegal alien, it always makes me feel like we're being uh, invaded by aliens from outer space or something, okay, or Star Wars, all right? So it doesn't make you feel good to be called an illegal just to be called an alien makes you feel weird and especially if you're illegal okay so another thing that we learned is that canaan is a land that is dominated by a people called the nephilim they are known as giants numbers chapter 33 chapter 13 verse 33 says this we saw the nephilim there the descendants of Enoch." came from the Nephilim we seemed like grasshoppers in our own eyes and we looked the same to them and again i want to read this in the new king james version in numbers 1333 in the new king james it says this there we saw the giants the descendants of Anak came from the giants and we were like grasshoppers in our own sight and so we were in their sight Okay. Now, all of this is important because it affects the way you have to grow up when you are in what we call a hostile area. Now, I can tell you firsthand, my mom and my dad were legal immigrants from Mexico in the early 1950s. Okay, when they were allowing all kinds of people from Mexico into this country for migrant workers and all the uh, and all kinds of uh work that was available uh for the Mexican people, and my mom and my dad were two of those people and they brought with them my three three older siblings. I have two older brothers and one older sister and they were all born in Mexico. When they came into the United States, they knew absolutely no English only spanish so my two older brothers and my older sister began to attend school at san fernando elementary school that is still there right now on san fernando mission boulevard in san fernando again they knew no english at all and they were not allowed to speak spanish in school it was forbidden for them to speak spanish in school now fortunately because they were still young elementary age. They were able to learn the language, the English language quickly. But sadly, they were constantly mocked, constantly ridiculed. They were called horrible names because they were from Mexico. My oldest brother, Sal, he was constantly getting into fights because he had to defend himself. He had to defend my brother. They were still young. He had to defend my sister. So he was always getting in fights in school. Fortunately, thank god my brother he was a big guy for his age he was strong he was able to defend himself he was a good fighter eventually they ended up leaving uh, them alone because he got a reputation and everyone was afraid of him because he would always beat everybody up even up to the point when they got to when he got to high school he was even getting in fights with football players and beating them up too okay so everybody was terrified of him and actually now my, my other brother, he was older now too, so they were both able to fight and defend themselves, and so everybody was afraid of them, all right? Now, this was great for me, because I was the first one of our family to be born here in the United States. Legally, I was not an immigrant, I was automatically a citizen of the United States, but sadly, because I was still Mexican, I still had to deal with a lot of madness, a lot of stuff that was going on in those days the good thing was that when i began going to school no one messed with me because if they did everyone in the whole neighborhood knew that my brother sal and my other older brother ernie that they would come after them so everybody was terrified to mess with me okay so i had it good thank god i was protected okay i had a lot of backup so but sadly for all of us that were growing up the name-calling, the hostility, it never stopped. And there was still an occasional fight that happened with my brothers and other people in the neighborhood because of our na- nationality and our race. Okay, Our nation, it just so happens that our nation right now is experiencing some very challenging times because of racism and prejudice that sadly still exists Okay, especially and specifically right now, we are addressing the prejudice and the racism and the injustice in the African American community. I believe that if you take some time to speak to anyone that is African American, they will try their best. I mean, it's hard for Someone that is not African-American to understand what an African-American has to go through living in the United States of America and what they've had to go through for hundreds of years, literally hundreds of years. And they'll try their best to try to explain to you the difficulty, the challenges, and at times the horror that they have always faced because of the color of their skin. Okay, if you study the history of the Jewish people, they... No firsthand of the terrible effects of slavery they were slaves themselves for over 400 years they are as a people have always faced horrible persecution sadly they have even faced persecution torture and death from the christian church back in the day it's horrible the history of the church and the jewish people it's very sad and of course we still remember the horrible reality of the holocaust of world war ii and even today the majority of jewish synagogues not only here in the valley but throughout the world they have to have armed security because of anti-semitism and terrorist groups that are always threatening and and shooting them up and trying to kill them okay so there are there's many other examples that i can give you but let me just say this as a general statement it's hard and it's challenging and at times terrifying growing up in a hostile environment how many of you would agree with what i'm saying you're always having to watch your back always and it's difficult trying to grow up in that kind of a hostile environment and so let's get back to our bible story jacob and his family are in hostile territory it's just them jacob and his family okay? It's just them. Nobody else to defend them. Nobody else to protect them. They're in the land of the giants. They are in the land of the termites, and they're hostile, and they're in a foreign land, and they're all by themselves. All they have is God. But how many of you know that's all we need is God? Can you say amen, church? doesn't matter how hostile. doesn't matter how crazy. It doesn't matter what the odds are against us. All you need is God. And if you have God, like the Bible says, if God is for us, then who can be against us yes he's even better than my big brother sal that used to protect me praise god but that's what they had to face okay jacob and his family are in hostile territory they're surrounded by a people and a culture that are giants and that worship foreign gods and they could care less about the true and living god the god of abraham isaac and jacob They were just these 12 boys trying to survive in hostile country. Now if we go back to Genesis chapter 37 verse 1 and 2 it says this. Jacob lived in the land where his father had stayed, the land of Canaan. This is the account of Jacob's family line. Joseph, a young man of 17, was tending the flocks with his brothers, the sons of Bilhah, and the sons of Zilpah, his father's wives. And he brought their father a bad report about them so now we pick up on joseph's life and the bible specifically says that he's 17 years old he's a teenager and let's just follow what the bible tells us in verse 2 it says that joseph was out in the fields shepherding the flocks with his older brothers and the bible is very specific and the bible tells us that he was out in the fields tending the flocks with his brothers the sons of bilhah and the sons of zilpah Girls, how would you like to have names like that, okay? Now, what's that all about? So now let me show you this next picture. In this next chart, okay, hopefully you can see it okay. I pray that it will help us to define Jacob's four wives, all right? Jacob had four wives. Man, Jacob was a player. Can you imagine Four wives, and here they are, Leah, Zilpah, Rachel, and Bilhah. All right? They all look very elegant in that picture up there. All right? But let me say this to you. Jacob was not a player. As a matter of fact, if you read the story of Jacob, you're going to learn that Jacob got played. And the reason that he got played is because he actually fell in love with With Rachel. See her, the third one over there in the blue? Okay, that's Rachel. Doesn't she look gorgeous? Okay. He fell in love with Rachel. But on the night that they got married, they didn't have any electricity in those days. Okay. On the night that they got married and they went into their honeymoon suite, that Rachel's dad put Leah in the honeymoon suite. Leah is Rachel's sister. So Rachel's dad put Leah in the honeymoon suite. Now, maybe they didn't have any conversation. I don't know how Jacob, I'm sorry, yeah, I don't know how Jacob did not figure out that it wasn't Rachel, okay? But he didn't figure out that it was Rachel somehow. And in the morning when he woke up, he woke up and he had made love to Leah instead of Rachel, He got played. He got tricked. He got lied to. He got duped. And he was shocked. And he couldn't believe it. And he got upset because he wanted Rachel and he got Leah. So then he said, well, I guess I can have her be my wife. Well, actually, the dad said you have to have her be your wife because in our culture, the younger cannot get married before the older. And so you have to have her, but we'll give you Rachel too. So he went ahead and he took Rachel. So now he had two wives. And now let you figure out on your own and read it on your own how he got the other two wives. I'm not going to get into that right now. But he got played big time because from the very beginning, all he wanted was Rachel. He just was in love with Rachel. And in the end, he ended up with four wives. Can you believe that? Okay? So that's what happened to poor Jacob. Now... According to this chart, we see that Joseph was out tending the flock with the sons of Bilhah and the sons of Zilpah. And who are these specifically? The sons of Bilhah, if we look at this chart, her sons are Dan and Naphtali. And the sons of Zilpah are Gad and Asher. This makes things even more challenging because these four boys, Dan, Naphtali, Gad, and Asher, they are born to the ladies that were actually servants. You talk about having an identity issues. You talk about feeling insecure. You talk about pecking order and family dynamics and complications due to mixed marriages and half-brothers. This would make a great doctoral thesis for someone preparing for a doctor's degree in psychology or psychiatry because this mixed-up mess would drive anybody crazy, believe me. It was all crazy in this family. In Genesis chapter 37 verse 2, it gives us more information. It says, let me read it again in verse 1 and 2. It says, Jacob lived in the land where his father had stayed, the land of Canaan. This is the account of Jacob's family line. Joseph, a young man of 17, was tending the flocks with his brothers, the sons of Bilhah and the sons of Zilpah, his father's wives. And he brought their father a bad report about them. That That last part says, and he brought their father a bad report about them. Now listen, when you're a family and you are surrounded by hostility, giants, and you're in a foreign land with foreign people who don't believe in the same God that you believe in, and you're always having to watch your back, that family has to stick together. Are you guys understanding what I'm saying? They have to stick together. Thank God there was a bunch of them. There were a bunch of brothers And when worse came to worse, even though maybe they couldn't stand each other at times and fighting against each other at times and fighting for food at times, which is what we used to do at our house, okay, because there were six of us and we were always hungry. But when it came down to having to defend yourself, they stuck together and they defended themselves. And God was with them, so God protected them and God gave them victory. Are you guys following what I'm saying here? And that's the way it was and that's the way they lived and that's the way they survived. And that's the way it had to be. However, we learn something here about Joseph's character. When his older brothers would get into some kind of mischief, Or when they were doing things that were wrong, or ungodly, or unethical, or maybe even illegal. Instead of joining them, and supporting them, and participating with them, we learn that Joseph not only chose to reject doing what was wrong, but he would also expose his brothers when they did wrong. So it's one thing to go to the defense and to the support of your brothers when it's for the good or when it's to protect or when it's to defend or when it's it's for, when it's for the family. But it's another thing to support your brothers if they're doing evil. And he could tell the difference. Are you guys following me so far? And you talk about resisting peer pressure. Most of us fall or buckle under peer pressure, especially when we're teenagers. Remember, the Bible specifically says that Joseph Joseph was 17 years of age. And he was out there with his brothers. And his brothers were out there getting themselves into trouble, doing mischievous things. And when you're a teenager, if you're around a group of your peers, especially if they are older than you, especially if they are part of the, of the cool crowd, especially if they are part of the popular crowd, and you are with them, and they take out some weed, and you know in your heart that it's wrong to smoke that weed, and you know in your heart that it's against God, and you know in your heart that it's illegal, and you know in your heart that, that, that's even, what's even sadder is, you in your own heart don't even really want to smoke that weed, but because you You're in this environment because you're with your peers, because you're with this cool crowd, the popular crowd. And if there's some cute girls there that are turned on to the bad boy or to the gangster or to the thug image, then you really got the pressure because you don't want to look weak in front of those cute girls. And so you have all this pressure to go ahead and play the game of the crowd and do the thing that the crowd is doing even though in your heart you know that it's wrong. That's pressure. Are you guys following me so far? And this is the kind of pressure that Joseph had to deal with with his brothers. They were trying to pressure him into doing things that were not right, that were unethical, that were immoral, that were against God, and Joseph was refusing to do it. Not only was he refusing to participate in that, but he was also exposing them and letting his dad know what they were doing. And so when they pass the joint to you, you have to make a decision. The same thing when they start passing out The shots of, the shot glasses of tequila. And everyone is taking their turns, taking their shots. And you're a teenager. And now it's your turn. And you know in your heart that it's not the right thing to do. But you have all this pressure, this negative pressure around you. And everybody's watching to see, are you gonna take the shot? Or you're on a date with a girl, and all your friends know it, and they are going to be waiting for a report the next day to see if you hit a home run and if you had sex with her. And you're just a young teen. You're just trying to wake up in the morning, and you got all this pressure on you. But it's not just with your with our teens, in our teen years. What about you, man of God? on Friday when you get off work and your friends invite you to the nudie bar for some drinks or just a regular bar for some drinks or they're all in the parking lot and they have some dope that they want they want you to smoke with them or they have the, uh, the six pack of beer that they want you to drink with them or they invite you to the party down the street or whatever what about you man of God what about you woman of God or when that female coworker shows an interest in you, what are you going to do? Or when your coworkers encourage you to steal something and it's right there and it's so easy and you know that you're going to get away with it, but God is telling you, no, don't steal it. Or when someone at work humiliates you or embarrasses you and you're tempted to curse them out or call them out and everyone is watching to see how you're going to handle your business and if you don't do anything, you're going to look weak. How many of you know it affects all of us? We all have to make those decisions when we're feeling that pressure. Even though in our heart we don't want to do it and we know that it's wrong and we know that it's against God and we have to make a decision. Am I going to please man or am I going to please God? And we see that Joseph made a decision in his young 17-year-old life that he said, I don't care what kind of pressure I'm under. I don't care if my brothers are older than me, and they can beat me up, and they can tear me up. They're asking me and telling me to do something that is wrong, something that is wicked, something that is against God, and I'm not going to let myself do it. I'm going to follow God, and I'm going to expose them, and I'm going to tattletale on them, and I'm going to straighten them out. Why? Because he doesn't want them destroyed. Because he knows in his heart that he needs God to be on his side. Why? Because he's surrounded by enemies. He's surrounded by hostile people that are ready in an instant and they can in an instant wipe them out. And the only reason that they're not wiped out is because of God. How many of you know we need God on our side? Can you say amen, church? And when he is on our side, he will come to our defense. So Joseph was 17 years old. And the Bible is very specific and purposely tells us that Joseph, in the prime of his teenage years, his older brothers are taking shots of tequila, and his older brothers are smoking dope, and his older brothers are flirting with ungodly girls. And let me tell you, man, those termite girls, they are beautiful. And he saw them flirting with those girls. And his older brothers are stealing and his older brothers are cheating and they're getting into all kinds of mischief and all kinds of madness. And his older brothers want him to join them, but Joseph says no. And so the rejection begins, the anger begins, the fighting begins. And Joseph is now in a situation where he has no backup, no support from his older brothers. He would rat on them. He would tell on them. He was a tattletale. He would let his dad know that his older brothers were up to no good. This caused all kinds of friction, all kinds of problems. And this is what Joseph had to face. And this would cause his older brothers to become furious with him. I don't know if any of you saw that video. Were we we able to load the video up? No? How about in this one here? No? Okay. I don't know if any of you guys saw that video of what happened in Santa Monica. We're going to show it right now. I'm sure most of you, I'm praying that most of you saw it. When they were having the riots out there in Santa Monica, they were doing all the tearing up everything and that young girl stood in front of that store there was a couple of guys they were busting into the store they had a hammer they were busting into the store busting open that door and she went in there in front of them and blocked them she blocked them from tearing up that store and one of the guys that was there he literally grabbed her and threw her out of the way I and mean, he, he totally took her out. Did she give up? Did she run away? Did she get intimidated? No! She came right back! And these dudes were big! And she was just a small white chick. And she was, she got in front of these thugs. And she, she, she demanded that they stop what they were doing. And you know what? Eventually they stopped. They stopped what they were doing. And then they threw some kind of a M80 or some kind of a... Uh, it, was, it seemed like a powerful po- uh, firecracker to me. Okay? But she stood her ground. Now, she could have done what everybody else was doing and just stood there and let the madness go on. Let the chaos go on. Let the... Um, What do you, what would you say? The rebellion? Go on. But she says, no. No, 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 no. This is not right. I'm gonna stand up against this evil. I'm gonna take, she could have gotten killed. She could have gotten killed very easily. I'm not saying that it was the wise thing to do, but it sure was the right thing to do. She could have gotten killed. Then that other guy came in there, but she had already, you know, taken action. And I wanted to show that video because that's an example of what you and I, as men and women of God, have to deal with and have to be willing to put up with as we stand up for God in hostile environments. Are you guys listening to me? Can you say amen? So his older brothers already had major insecurity issues. And instead of feeling backed up by their little brother, they were always having to be on the defensive or secretive or watching their back. Many times, I can't tell you how many times, when we're having our youth meetings, okay? And I see the young people, and they're huddled up in their little group, and they're talking about something. And I can discern that they're talking about something that is not good something either nasty or some kind of mischief or some kind of illegal activity. They want to get together to go out and cause some trouble somewhere. And these are Christian young people that go to church that supposedly love God, and they're planning mischief. And so I come kind of close to them. And you know what happens when I get close to them? All of a sudden, it gets silent. It gets quiet. They panic. They freeze like deer with headlights. Why? Because they know that they're talking bad stuff, and here comes Pastor Jerry, and they don't want Pastor Jerry to hear what they're talking about, or to be involved with what they're talking about. But it doesn't happen just with teenagers. There's been times when some of you adults are out here in the foyer, or out here on the porch, and we're in here worshiping God, praising God, or Pastor Jerry's in preaching or whatever, and guess what? You're out there having a little meeting with yourselves. Are you talking about God? No. Are you, are you praising Jesus? No. Are you into the Holy Spirit? No. You're talking about nonsense. And you're adults. And you're Christians. And you say that you love Jesus. You should be in church, worshiping the Lord, giving praise to God. Listening to the word of God. But that's not you. That's somebody else and they're not here. So it's okay for me to talk about them. How many of you know that we can all be guilty of doing the same thing? All of us. Can you say we should be about the Lord's business, but instead we're talking and doing nonsense. And that's what the Bible is trying to teach us here in this section of scripture. So there's one, there's one thing that both David and Joseph had in common at a very young age, at a very young age, they both loved God. They both had a desire for righteousness. They both feared God and had a desire to please God and honor God and obey God. And Joseph could have chosen to participate in his brother's evil schemes, and their but instead he would expose them and tell their dad on them. Now this decision to favor God over his brothers was horrible for his brothers, but it was favorable toward God. Because in the end, God ends up blessing Joseph. We're going to get into that later on. Why? Because God sees the intense of of our hearts. He sees the motives of our hearts. God does not look on the outside, as we learned with David, but he looks at the heart. And God saw that Joseph, as a young teenager, as a young man, Loved righteousness and hated evil and he was not afraid to expose it. Just like that young lady was not afraid to stand up in front of those guys and that, in front of that store and to defend it and to protect it. She didn't work for them. She didn't know who they were. She had, she had no knowledge of any part of this, but she knew that it was evil and she knew that it was wrong and she was willing to put her life on the line for it. But there was a high price that Joseph had to pay for his loyalty to God. Joseph had 10 older brothers and the 10 older brothers were not happy about Joseph's loyalty to God. Let me just read a couple more scriptures and we're going to be done. In Proverbs 20 verse 11, it says this, even a child is known by his deeds, whether what he does is pure and right. Proverbs chapter 23, verses 24 and 25. The father of a righteous child has great joy. A man who who fathers a wise son rejoices in him. May your father and mother rejoice. May she who gave you birth be joyful. Next week, we want to continue to break this out. This is just an introduction. Because we want to try to understand what's going on here with Joseph, compare it to David, and see what we can learn from this. But in the beginning, right here, we see that God is letting us know that Joseph was a young man, and he was a young man that was dedicated to serving God at any price, even if it meant going against his own brothers. How many of you know that the Bible says, Jesus actually says, you have to love Jesus more than mother, more than father, more than brother, more than sister, more than son, more than daughter. He wants first place, church. First place in everything. He demands it, but when we give it to him, he honors it, and he blesses us. Let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, this is just the beginning, Lord. You're just setting the stage. You're just setting the table of what lies before us, Lord. This is just two verses of details that you give us about Joseph and his character and his life and the pressures that he was under and the difficulties and the challenges that he had. In my opinion, his brothers were probably always beating him up trying to hurt him, trying to put him down. But it didn't matter, Lord. He was going to honor you at any price. Give us that kind of faith, Lord God. Give us that kind of loyalty to you, Lord, where we are willing to do whatever it takes to, to do what is right, to stand up for what is right, and to be loyal to you. If you're here this morning and you say, Jerry, I am not a Christian. I have never surrendered my life to Jesus. If I were to die today or if Jesus were to come, I'm not sure if I would go to heaven. If that's you here today, just lift up your hand and we will pray. you are not a Christian and you want to surrender your life to the Lord, just lift up your hand and we will pray. Even if you're out there listening, if that's you, I want you to repeat this prayer. Say, Father... In the name of Jesus, I ask you to forgive me of all my sins. I willingly open the door to my heart. And I ask you, Jesus, to come in. Take over my life. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Now let's pray for those of you out there, whatever you may be going through, you're a Christian. And we just want to pray for you to be strong, to be faithful, to be tough in Jesus, okay? Stay faithful to the Lord no matter what. Father, in the name of Jesus, help us as a church body. Help us as individual members, Lord God, to be strong for you, to be loyal to you, Lord God, to be willing to stand up against evil, to be willing, Lord God, to even stand up against injustice, Lord, to be willing, Lord, to do what is right, Lord, because it is right and because it represents you. Bless your people. Strengthen us, Lord God. Help us to resist evil and to do what is good. That we may please you as our Heavenly Father. In Jesus' name we pray and all God's people said, Amen. God bless you guys. Thank you so much for being here tonight. Or this morning I should say. Listen, we're going to need for you to exit to my right or to your left here.